Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Lockdown Flyers podcast for Monday, January 10th, your daily dose of Flyers news analysis and high quality content that is really annoyed with the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, that's a way to put it. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Flyers. Keep up to date on all the Flyers news, our episodes. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. On today's show, we are going to talk about that game Saturday night against those San Jose Sharks. We're going to look at the week ahead and see, you know, what the Flyers goals should be for this week. And it's Monday, so we will have our nemesis of the week. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. Hit that subscribe button and you will get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Sports Network. So this was yet another interesting game from the Flyers. I don't know. It's getting hard to kind of wrap my head around what this team is right now. We certainly had, you know, a few switcheroos on the roster. Uh, Mm -hmm. Jackson Cates off the COVID list. Nick Sealer came off the COVID list. And then they moved Connor Bunneman and Igor Zamula to the taxi squad. I think there was more drama on the shark side, to be honest, because, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, Logan Couture is uh, was still on the COVID list. Uh, they were definitely shorthanded. Nick Benino, one of their coaches. But the big news. Eric Carlson. Yeah. So the big news for them, though, was that they put Evander Kane on waivers uh, to co- terminate his contract because they said he violated the COVID protocols at the AHL level. Yeah, so there's no surprise there. I mean, again, and and no surprise that Dan Milstein, his agent, says they're gonna fight it. Like we get it. Right. They'll, they'll the come PA up with some sort look of into it. Yeah, they're gonna try and get some sort of settlement out of the Sharks. But you know, this is good for the Sharks. It was a bad contract mm-hmm. to begin with. They were sticking with it. They were sticking behind him. They even were kind of helping him with that um, bankruptcy thing that's over his head. And and now this money is lost. And I feel bad for his family. I don't feel bad for Evander Kane. I feel bad for his family. Because they're the ones who are going to suffer out of this. Yeah, and it certainly takes a big chunk of money off of the books for the Sharks. It, you know, it works out for them. And you're right. You know, those are the only people that are going to suffer. The game also made us suffer to oh. some degree. I was honestly surprised to see Mayhew back in the lineup. Um, I think, you know, putting Zamula back on taxi squad sort of made sense. But again, you know, Nick Sealer could have sat as well against this team. The Sharks, unlike, you know, the Penguins, were a much more depleted lineup as we just went through. And to leave Zamula in, I think, would have been a better option. Way better option. Fans were mad at that, and I totally am behind them. Uh, Sealer was not good in this game. No. Sealer has already proven what he can't do more as compared to what he can do. And Zamula in his, you know, small window has looked better than Sealer. But again, 
this is like that, hey, he's the veteran, we got to have like X amount of veterans. And so what you really have here is a team of unmotivated veterans and some players who play um, all out all game. And that doesn't include JVR. JVR got goals, but he didn't play all out all game. He had a pretty good game though for him. No question about it. And, and Atkinson always tries 100%, but not everybody else does. There's so many guys now. There's so many passengers on this train that it's an impossible job for Mike Yo now, I think. It's getting there. Uh, you know, the game was kind of back and forth for two periods. Nothing hugely exciting in the first. But I felt like, you know, the Flyers were le- at least in it because they were showing moments of sustained pressure. Mm-hmm. But I think ultimately what led to their downfall is that in that third period, especially the Sharks managed to maintain their puck possession and they reacted well to adversity and the Flyers hunkered down in a bad way, giving up a ton of shots. Yeah, there were a couple things. So that first period was really like it disgusted me for Mike Yo's sake. Everything he asked that team to do, they did the opposite. They, they were not winning puck battles. They weren't even trying at times in the quarter to win the puck battle. They were kind of waiting on the, for them to make the first move. All of that was the exact opposite of what Mike Yo would want, and, and it was an awful first period. Uh, things did get a little better. I agree. But the Timo Meyer line with Hurdle was always getting close in this game, and the, yes. and the Flyers had zero answer for it. So the fact that it ended the way it did, we can't all be surprised because they had so many glorious chances – and I'm not a guy, I, if you sit next to me, I could care less about shots on goal. But when it's like 20 to 5 in the third period, you're doing something wrong here, Flyers. And this is almost a situation where they know what they're doing wrong. They're in a tailspin. Even their best players getting inserted again doesn't necessarily cure the problem. It may cure some of their problems and they may have closer games and they may scratch out points here and there. But every time they lose a two-point opportunity in this division, they're just shooting themselves in the foot. And again, that fourth line, if that's your best line, just fold up the tent now. You might as well. Let's talk a little bit more about Mike Yo, because uh, you mentioned you know the team not performing for them specifically. And he came out firing in the post-game press conference, and mm-hmm. rightfully so. And a couple of things he said stood out to me. He said in the third period when the game's on the line and things are tense, that's when your habits come out. And I thought that's where a lot of our bad habits came out. And the other thing was the self-inflicted harm that we're doing to ourselves is something that we have to get out of our system and something we have to prevent here because you're not going to win hockey games. And he is spot on here. This team has bad habits. And when things are not going well, they come to the surface. And actually... You could see guys were overskating the puck, guys were missing on passes, guys were missing on shots. Like, this is stuff that you're not used to seeing with any Flyers team, and it's become commonplace now. Like, it's it's worked its way in, and the coach is trying here. And even Justin Braun, I don't think he meant to alienate his coach, but when he was talking about that, that winning attitude that San Jose had when he was there and they need it here in Philly, you know, ultimately, whose fault is that? It's Mike Yo's fault. And I think Braun was trying to light a fire under some of the players, but he didn't help out his coach either. No, there's a lot of discussion about what's going wrong here from all sides, I think. And it's collectively become 
it, it's like not even one elephant. It's a pack of elephants in yeah. a room at this point where it just seems that this team can't figure out a way to change those habits and to do things right the majority of the time. That being said, there were a couple of good performances in this game. I do want to highlight because I think it's important to do so. The first of which is Cam York. He led the team in minutes. I thought he looked really solid on power play one. I was glad he's been up there. And he did get burned on that OT goal. But again, with that Sharks line uh, and, and those players up against rookies, I, I, I question Mike Yo putting Frost and York out there at the same time in OT. I can't really. He was looking for entirely. speed and effort. That's what he was looking for. And he yeah. wasn't getting it from his veterans in that game for the most part. So I, I'm not going to rip him for that. I think what you said is true about York. Uh, I, although we don't want to see York on power play one all year, he's not ready for that. You'll start to see some warts if we do. But he did look good. He got an assist. All of that's positive, his first assist. Uh, he did get burned in OT. It's going to happen. And that's, yes. the, that's the point, though, that they're at, right? For me... You might as well just keep York and Zamula up. If it were up to me, I would keep York and Zamula up and I would start sitting uh, Keith Yandel. I don't care. And I would start getting these guys ready for the next step and see if they are ready for the next step because the odds are of me making the playoffs now are slim. So I'm okay with playing the youngsters and giving them a window here and seeing if I can improve. But I'm also not deluded thinking that's what's going to get them over the hump here because it's not. I do want to highlight that second player, which was Martin Jones. Mm -hmm. uh, he made a ton of really good saves, even though that I thought the triangle was kind of a yikes, you know, went off his skate after yeah. I thought he had saved it. But he absolutely kept them in the game. 40 saves mm -hmm. on 43 shots uh, against his old team, which is you know, always a tough game to play. Could turn out really well, could turn out a disaster. And I thought he handled himself really well across the board. He did. There wasn't much support in front of him. And he, there were some high danger chances in the first period, too, that just didn't go in. And I think that's why the Sharks were kind of rewarded by the hockey gods later on, because that stuff didn't go in and they were playing the right way. I'm going to give you every cliche on the right side of the puck and everything, and they just weren't getting the goals. Well, I wonder if Martin Jones or Carter Hart, for that matter, made any New Year's resolutions about <laughs> their play in net. For me, I tend to try to avoid them. But if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bilt Bar in that plan. Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, maybe even better than that, to be honest. It makes it so easy to stick to that resolution. It tastes so good. You'll want to eat that instead of, you know, your other sweet treats. Uh, unlike other protein bars, Bilt Bars aren't chalky or taste like chemicals or anything. Bilt Bars are covered in a 100% real chocolate. So if you're craving a snack or a treat, reach for something that's healthy and tastes good. Your typical Bilt Bar has about 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, plus 17 grams of protein. And there are so many amazing flavors to choose from. There's peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, salted caramel, so many more. 
Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com to see what's new. And while you're there, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thanks for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. This week, we have three big matchups for the Flyers that are going to be a huge test for this team. I feel like we keep saying this. You know, that <laughs> it's each really week a recurring theme. It is. is a test, but it's true. And so, you know, Tuesday, we are up against Carolina Hurricanes at home, Thursday against the Bruins on the road, and then back home on Saturday against the New York Rangers. And I think in general, the goals for the Flyers have to bring it back to some basics. So for me, it's be competitive in all three games, regardless of the outcome, show signs that this team can break some of those bad habits, and then play more aggressively and carry the puck more. All right, and I'll get a little more specific in the sense that they have to beat the Bruins. That is a must win now, where they sit in the standings with the games in hand the Bruins have. They have to win that game. They do. So they have to win that game. They have to get four out of six points. If they just come up with this, like, three points, you know, they're just going to keep slipping further behind the pack. This is going to be a wake-up. That Canes game, (laughs) that's going to be no joke. Like, that game... And that's why I'm saying these goals are more general in terms of their play. I'm not looking at points here because I don't think that's a framework that is going to be successful for this team right now, even though it's important. But I think it's also important to look more high level and try and solve some of the problems that we just detailed in the first segment with everything that went wrong against the Sharks. So, you know, is there anything that is more general for this team? More general would be stop trying to do too much. Some of the forwards are trying to make plays that aren't meant to be made by them. Maybe they just don't have the talent in them. Stop trying to be so fancy. We don't need drop passes, no look passes or any of that. Just try and play simple, good hockey. Get pucks on the net. And how about once in a while somebody actually going net front? Because nobody went net front for the longest time in that game. That's all. I agree with you there. I think getting more high danger chances and taking those shots is, you know, the way to get there, right? And you're going to be more successful in those net front positions. So like you said, you know, moving to the opponents we have to face and how we can accomplish those goals against them. The Canes, obviously, they're the top team in the league. They're a team that suppresses those shots. And that's something the Flyers are going to have to overcome in order to accomplish those goals. Yeah, you have to break through their defense. That's what you're worried about with Carolina is breaking through. And it's not just their defense. It's their team defense. Their entire team is committed to this. And that's something where it's going to be very hard for the Flyers to do because their puck possession stinks. So that's what they have to do. They have to have puck possession. They can't do dump and chase. They actually have to possess the puck more than the Canes and are going to have to be opportunistic. 
I think you're spot on there. And like you said, with the Bruins, it is an absolute must win because the Bruins have games on hand in the wild card race. And that is the only shot the Flyers are going to have to make the playoffs this year. And the Bruins have shown that they can hold a lead against some great teams. They just did it against Tampa. And I think the Bruins, despite the fact that they've been uneven this season and certainly not looking like the juggernaut that they've had or that they've been in in the past several years they are a good team and they do have those top guys that you can learn something from from their style of play and you have to match that even if the flyers are at full strength their top line's better than the flyers top line and that's what you're going to see a lot of and so in this game they have to hold their cool you can't let brad marchand drag you into the penalty box. You can't do it. And someone like Zach McEwen's going to have to like hold back on that. Because if I'm if I'm Marshawn, I'm going to be pressing that button a few times in the game, trying to get him to go off. So they're going to they're going to work that a little bit. They're going to put that first line against the fourth line and we'll see how that works out. But also the Flyers and in the past have played pretty well in Boston. But again, right now they are going to have to increase their shot totals, and get shots through to the net. Boston will try and block a lot of them too. They are a good defensive team. They're not great like they used to be, but you are going to have to match them with their compete level. The Bruins compete hard every minute of every game, and the Flyers can't say that. But for this game, they're going to have to. Exactly. And I think that where Mike Yo mentioned falling back onto bad habits, this is a game where this is going to be underneath the microscope, right? Yeah. Because especially when you're facing Pasternak or Marchand, this is where you're going to get burned. And then you have to react to it in a way that shows that you have some level of resilience. Yep. And then lastly, against the New York Rangers, I think this is the game that has the most potential for me in terms of being successful. Um, Maybe not in points, like I said, but certainly in having a, a more complete game. And I say that just because the Rangers, I think, have been performing above expectation and above what their underlying numbers say. They're a good team. But they've gotten extremely lucky and they have a stellar goaltender in Shesterkin and they've gotten well above performances from him. And when they run into a strong defensive team, the Rangers are completely lost and they get blown out. Yeah, I think there's some truth to all of that. Uh, but even Georgiev has really picked it up since Shesterkin went without, out with that injury and then played great then and then Shesterkin came back and he still played great. So even Georgiev is going to be a tough out on that one. But their defense is definitely something you could penetrate. Uh, you do have to watch out for Adam Fox, though. You can't make dumb mistakes in this game or Adam Fox will take advantage of every single one. He just doesn't make mistakes. And so, like, that's something where you have to be ready for that, aware of that. And he will bring the puck up all the way himself. Like, he has no qualms about doing it. Gallant lets him do it. So that's something where you have to have a game plan for Adam Fox. Panarin is likely to play. You have to have a game plan for that line, too. So the other thing is, depending on where the Rangers are sitting with their lines, if they have Strom and Lafreniere together again, uh, that's really helping Lafreniere. Because, like, when he plays with, you know, the bottom six guys – 
there's not a lot there that's going to help him skill-wise. But if he plays on that second line, there is. And he's third or fourth in the team in goals, and he's playing good lately. So he's another guy that could be laying in the weeds. And and somebody who I, I really like as a player is Morgan Barron, who's been getting a chance. I, I watched him at Cornell, and he's a really good player, and I think he's better than a few players in that lineup. And they So he's another one who's a bigger kind of physical guy and so that's something where, you know, again, a bottom six guy. But so they're good. there's a mix of things there that you have to get through with the Rangers. They do have speed. They're good with the puck. And they do have physicality. Even if Ryan Reeves doesn't play in that game, they still have other guys that could be physical. So it is winnable, but you just can't make dumb mistakes against them because they will make you pay. That's Gerard Gallant is, you know, that's his system's all about being opportunistic. I agree with you about the system for the Rangers. I just think that this is the game where hopefully they're building on better performances from those mm-hmm. first two and can put together a complete game in, in this one. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure I would bet on it, but bet online would like you to wish you a happy betting new year. As we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond bet online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022 new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. It's that time, Russ. We are going to present our nemesis of the week. And if you are newer to the program, each Monday we look around at the Flyers and hockey and who is getting our goat, who is our nemesis for this upcoming week. And last week we talked about the lack of complete games with the Flyers and what that meant moving forward. Hmm. Um, see how that turned out. And you were lamenting the New Year uh, wrong date syndrome of putting the wrong year on mm-hmm. everything. How's that going so far? Actually, I've done pretty well. I, I, I think I'm surviving it. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. So our nemesis this week is the NHL and the NHL PA in a joint award for them. The Hockey Diversity Alliance, uh, which consists of Black NHL and other pro hockey players, uh, presented a new campaign through Budweiser Canada called Tape Out Hate. They put together a remarkable video that includes some really difficult stuff to watch about you know, racial epithets and, you know, things that black players have heard on the ice as they were growing up and, you know, moving up into the pros. And it was just a a really wonderful thing in terms of bringing awareness to the issue. And they have developed uh, hockey tape, much like pride tape with rainbow tape. They have Mm -hmm. a, a tape out hate campaign where you can have HDA related uh, tape for your hockey stick and I think it's really great and the thing that got a lot of people myself included upset was that the NHL posted about it on their social media when they have been given the opportunity to be involved 
with the Hockey Diversity Alliance and have chosen not to and then used it promotionally for themselves that I think that was just unbelievable the gall even to the point where the NHL refused to allow the Hockey Diversity Alliance to use NHL branded jerseys or any other logos or team logos or anything like that in their videos well you know there there's a name missing on that on that list when that list came out I noticed Evander Kane, who was one of the founding guys, is not. Yeah, they announced yeah. he was. He left a while ago. Oh, they did. Was, okay. They I never did. noticed that. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Especially because Wayne Simmons is part of the Hockey Diversity Alliance, beloved for his time in Philadelphia. I thought it was interesting what he had to say about it, and. A couple of things that he noted was that first off, he has mentioned that he is concerned about his daughter potentially playing hockey because he doesn't want her to experience some of the racism that he has, you know, growing up in the sport and that a lot of people don't hear about it. People don't see it. And unless people are willing to speak up about it, and that includes white people, Mm-hmm. That, you know, unless people are willing to speak up about it, things are never going to change. And he wants to make the next generation, like his daughter, know that they are welcome and that if they're attacked in any way, that there is a community in the hockey world that is going to speak up for them. Yeah, that would be great. So, yeah, do not like that. NHL when you piggyback off of something that you could have been involved in and chose not to. All right, Russ, what do you got? I'm going to go with the weather because we're finally at that point in, in you know, the uh, Northeast or at least the metro area where, you know, it's gray all the time. You don't know if it's snow or if it's freezing rain or whatever. You don't know how to dress. You don't know if you need a scraper. I have to get ice, ice melt all the time. It's just, you know, I'm it's just that time of uncertainty. The uncertainty with the weather now, it's like I'm looking on my weather app. I have a weather station in in the uh, in the kitchen, and still we all get stuff wrong with it. So that's what it is. It's the weather. One thing I did appreciate about living in Utah is that if it wasn't currently snowing, it was sunny most of the time. Oh, that's so good. It was yeah. cold, but it was sunny most of right. the time, and I liked right. that. That is nice. All right, wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing. Russ, you pointed this one out, and it I do remember it happening, and I was a little bit puzzled by it, but the Flyers showed an Eagles touchdown, and there was an Eagles chant at the Wells Fargo Center as the Eagles were playing at the same time as the Flyers. Yeah, so, you know, I've seen it where – and. Jeez, I've probably been covering this team for most games for over a decade. So I've seen a lot of different situations where if it's a playoff game, they'll post the scores. If, you know, if it's just, you know, a random game, maybe they'll post the score. But they did have an Eagles chant before they did this post that I'm going to talk about. And it was a little like a mini Eagles thing. It was like nothing. It was just the normal one that you kind of like just get annoyed with because it's hockey and why are they doing this? But there was such a lull in this Flyers game that somebody made the decision when the Eagles scored and were up 7-0 in the game, hey, let's just show that scoring opportunity on the big board. And then, of course, a massive 
Eagles chant erupts. And I think this is kind of like a punishment to the players. I know the Wells Fargo is not meaning it for that way. They're just trying to engage fans. But I think if you spoke to the hockey players as a man, they don't want to hear that Eagles chant. They want to hear chants for their team, which there were very few of. And I know as far as reciprocation, unless it were the playoffs or the Stanley Cup, there's no way the Eagles are showing anything flyers over there. That is definitely true. And I normally do not like when there's Eagles chance at Flyers games. I think it's a little inappropriate mm-hmm. and insulting to the Flyers. But at the same time, if the Wells Fargo Center decides to put something on the board and encourage it, then all bets are off. Yeah, exactly. They wanted it. They wanted fan engagement. They got it. It's just... You wonder how the players feel about that, but they're never going to tell you the honest truth on that one. Yeah, they are absolutely not going to do so. Well, that'll do it for today's show. We'll be back again tomorrow. We'll have the latest on the Flyers. We're going to talk a little bit more about the game against Carolina coming up Tuesday night and then check in with the Phantoms. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. You can send us your questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers, or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ, and I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Locked On Bets. It's your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. It's hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Have a great day.